The postseason is here, and the Ringer NBA show has you covered with Real Ones, Group Chat, The Answer, and Ringer NBA Postgame. Check out the Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. What's up, everybody? I hope that we are rocking and rolling and we are ready to go. And, you know, I thought this was going to be a really good night for me. And I I guess it still is because of what we saw here with the Yankee game. But, oh, what a melt by the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, this is just absolutely sickening to watch here over these final couple of minutes. But I figured we would do a little live now Spotify green room. Locker room turned into Spotify green room. And I figured it was the perfect time to get involved and have a little bit of fun because it was ace night for the uh, two New York teams. Ace night for Jacob DeGrom, ace night for Garrett Cole. And listen, DeGrom was having one of those nights, again, where it looked like he had no hate stuff, he was unhittable, he was untouchable, and he was on his mark. And then all of a sudden, you see Jacob DeGrom leave this game after three innings. So you're groaning if you're a Mets fan. You're saying, what in God's name is going on? What in the world just happened? Why, 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 why? When Jacob deGrom is pitching as well as anybody on planet Earth. Jacob deGrom has been as good as anybody this year. His last start, he had to leave early against the San Diego Padres. And, you know, he had the flexor strain. He ended up throwing and he was doing this and he was doing that. And to be honest, the Mets should have skipped him. They probably should have put him on the I.L. after the last start anyway. They did not. They did not. Now, you got to rewrite that. We'll monitor. We'll see what's going on as far as DeGrom goes. But I would be shocked at this point if he doesn't end up on the injured list. Now, the good news for the Mets is they continue to find ways to win basketball, to win baseball games. You notice I said basketball games because I'm watching the Sixers melt. So it shows you where my mind is at right about now. That can happen when you see a team up 20, basically flush it right down the toilet. Ugh, disgusting. But the Mets have found ways to win. How good has Kevin Pillar been? My goodness, how good has Kevin Pillar been? Gritty player, tough-minded player, and exactly what the Mets needed in their locker room and in their clubhouse. I can't get enough of Kevin Pillar. Love the balls, love the chutzpah, love the toughness. Guy's a winning player. Guy's a winning player. So, good night on the field for the Mets. We shall see when it comes to the Grom and what the latest injury might be. Hopefully, it's nothing serious. 
the last thing you want, the last thing you want, and trust me on this, is this feel-good story of Jacob DeGrom going for a Cy Young and going for an MVP, going right down the toilet. That is the last thing you need. Now, from a Yankees standpoint, hell of a win for the Yankees tonight. And a pretty crazy, insane, twists and turns type of deal from like the seventh inning on, where the talk of the game early on was all about Cole and spin rate and, you know, the decline in spin rate. Everybody was freaking out. If you went on social media, if you went on social media and Twitter after the first inning or two, oh, Cole's only good because he's using this spider tax stuff. He doesn't have it. Bah, bah, bah. I mean, I saw this everywhere. That's all I saw. Cole settles in. Basically made two mistakes in the game. Made a mistake. Home run to Marcus Simeon. Made a mistake to Kevin Biggio. And the Yankees are down a run. And you're wondering in the seventh inning, is this a game the Yankees are going to win? Aaron Boone, much maligned. Aaron Boone's been taking a whole lot of heat. Been taking a whole lot of shit from me, Yankee fans, score. Made the right call. Pinch hitting Gary Sanchez for Higgy. Sanchez has been as hot as anybody. Comes up. Boom. Moonshot of a home run. Ball still hasn't landed yet. Gary Sanchez over the last, I don't know, four to five weeks has been a total stud. Let's call it like it is. He has eliminated the light kick. He's making far better contact. He's hitting the ball out of the ballpark. He's playing like an absolute beast. The Yankees need this version of Gary Sanchez. They need all the help they can get offensively. Sanchez locked in. Saved the Yankees' bacon. And he also saved their bacon in the bottom half of the ninth inning. And Cole, hey, found a way to work with Sanchez A-OK in the seventh and the eighth innings. Did he not? Basically went six up, six down, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe gave up a hit. I don't know. Maybe gave up one in those two innings. I'm not sure. But Cole was a beast tonight. I don't think we'll be hearing about spin rate or any of that sort of stuff. Eight innings, two runs against that lineup. That's what I care about. That's what matters to me. Ninth inning, though, was hard attack city. Holy moly, was the ninth inning for the New York Yankees hard attack city. So, Roldis Chapman comes in. Roldis Chapman gives up a hit to Guerrero. Gives up another hit to Teoscar Hernandez. And it's second and third with nobody out. And with the Yankees only being minus 165 with Cole on the mound, I fully expected them to lose this game. I have to be honest. I thought they were going to find a way to lose this game. This is where you give Chapman credit. Gets the strikeout, and then you get the gift of the ground out and Guerrero with some just hideous base running. Not only hideous base running, but an awful belly flop of a dive <laughs> that basically allowed him to be called out. Otherwise, he would have been in safely easily. Chapman screwed that play up. Absolutely screwed that play up. Because when you're in a rundown, balls hit to you as a pitcher, you run at the base runner. Him throwing it home right away to Gary Sanchez was a nightmare because Sanchez basically had to put a BB right on the money in order to get the out. Insane. Absolutely insane. But the Yankees escaped. They've won two games in a row now against a team they haven't beat all year in the Toronto Blue Jays. And now you look at the Yankees. Okay. 
They're a game and a half up on Toronto. They got a chance to sweep this series on Thursday. And you hope you get some cooperation from the Braves. I thought the Braves were going to actually win this game. They took a lead. Boston comes right back and scores a bunch of runs. So that kind of sums up where you are with the Red Sox and with the Atlanta Braves. But good night in New York baseball as long as everything is okay with Jacob DeGrom. And I see shoulder soreness wants to make the next start. But let's be honest. If you're the Mets, how in the world do you throw DeGrom out there after taking him out after three innings? You can't do it. There is no way in the world Jacob DeGrom should make his next start, and the Mets should absolutely err on the side of caution. So we're taking calls. Remember, you guys can get involved, do what we do. We take calls. We let it rip. We have some fun. Request to speak. The new app, by the way, is so sharp. It looks so good. The folks over at Locker Room, now Spotify Green Room, have created this masterpiece for us, and we'll be ripping some calls. But before we do that, before you had... Philadelphia. I know I did. As a foregone conclusion to win this series, Philadelphia up two games to one. Philadelphia in complete control in game four and in game five of this series against the Atlanta Hawks and have just flushed two leads right down the freaking toilet. Wow. That is a hideous, hideous, hideous loss. For the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, what the hell happened? What the hell happened? Philadelphia was cruising. I mean, I thought I was going to hit this bet going away. I took them minus the six. I thought it was going to be a feed up type of deal. Not only does Philly not cover the game. Philly loses the game outright. And now they got to play an elimination game on the road in Atlanta. Wow. That is, that is hideous. What a wild night. What a wild night. And I'm still buzzing, quite frankly, from what we saw yesterday, just 24 hours ago with Kevin Durant. And now that I've allowed 24 hours to marinate, that is hands down the signature performance of Kevin Durant's career. I don't want to hear about Game three of the NBA Finals when he's up 2-0 on a team that, let's be honest, was a lock and a shoe-in to go win an NBA championship anyway. There was no pressure in that game. There was no scrutiny in that game. Whole lot of scrutiny. Whole lot of pressure when James Harden ain't right. Kyrie Irving is out. And you have to basically be Superman and overcome a double-digit deficit. Durant could not have played better yesterday. He basically said to Brooklyn, get on my back, fellas. I'm bringing you home. I got you. Let's go. That was a virtue also effort from Durant. Now, they don't win that game without Green. They don't win that game without what you got out of Griffin. Harden was not particularly good. I mean, he looked flat. He looked like a guy who hadn't played in over a week and had no feel for a shot whatsoever. Zero feel for a shot. But his presence alone kind of sparked the team. And it's brought up the interesting dynamic of, well, now what do you do going into game six? And, you know, I saw Reggie Miller tweeted this out either late last night or early today. I texted Saruti because I was like freaking out, losing my mind saying, this, 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 this can't be. This cannot be the case. 
that he's advocating the idea of sitting Durant and sitting Harden? No, you can't do that. Now, you want to tell me you want to sit Harden and give him a couple extra days? That I can get behind. Durant has to play in this game. You have a Milwaukee team that is frazzled. You have a Milwaukee team that is shook. They had a massive lead. They flushed it down the toilet. I have no idea what in the world they were running when it comes to offense in the second half of the game. They didn't go with James Harden. Giannis is taking way too many bad shots. He's basically settling for jumpers on the outside. The whole team was settling for bad shots. And that's on Coach Budenholzer. You don't let him off the hook. You go for the throat. You got a chance to bury him. Go and bury him. That's exactly what you do. Bury him. Durant can play in that game. He's got to be out there. I don't care if he played every single minute of the game. He has to play. Absolutely has to play. And to me, that's a good spot for Brooklyn to let it loose. I don't think there's a whole lot of pressure for Brooklyn in this game, especially when Milwaukee has played as poorly as they have in the Barclays Center. That is a good situation for them to go and grip it and rip it and try and see if they can wrap up this series in six, rest for a couple of days, and see what transpires here with Atlanta and Philadelphia. And wouldn't it be something if the Atlanta Hawks, down two games to one, down as many as 18 or 19 points in game four, and down big in game five. Find a way to the Eastern Conference Finals. That would be absurd. All right, let's get the calls going. All right, so you guys know how to participate in this, bad boy. It's very easy to do. You request to speak, and then we go from there. Frank joins us. Frank, what's up, dude? What's up, brother? What's shaking, kid? Dude, this, this is a multiple iPad TV type of night, man. Oh, multiple. I mean, it's beyond that, dude. It's like, that's why, like, with the Sixer Hawk game, I'm so dialed into the Yankees. I'm so dialed into the Mets. You know, I, I, I'm kind of in cruise control when they're up by, like, 16 points. And then when my attention gets back diverted to Philadelphia, I look up, it's a six-point game, and I'm like, well, what in God's name happened here? Same thing. I literally set that game away because I had Mets, Philly, Yankees parlay. I can't believe they got out. The Yankees, I can't believe Chapman got out of that second and third situation. Sanchez bails him out, and then he almost gives it back when he misses the ball. Well, and that was wacky. You know, it's funny. I was going through what happened there, Frank, in the bottom half of that ninth inning. I don't know how you could prove that uh, Guriel just whiffed on that particular pitch. And you were never in a million years going to warrant the runner at second home plate. Like, if they decided he missed the ball, the most you're going to do there is advance him basically one base. But watching it, it was like, yeah, I, I, I thought he missed it, quite frankly. I thought everybody missed it. But I don't know how in God's name you'd be able to overturn that. You can't. They got bailed out once Buckner got hit in the head with the ball. And then they kind of. Bingo. Him getting drilled in the face ended up being a blessing in disguise. That is true. Each other. And they, they all kind of conference like, there's nothing we can do. So they went back. So that was. And then all of a sudden, Philly just wilted. And then uh, back, back to the Mets. Obviously, we talked last week. Five and one since the tough stretch. You know, Jake, I just listened. I was listening to the press conference while you're doing your opening. So I wrote it. Um, same kind of thing as last week. He kind of downplayed it, said the shoulder. He said he felt great in the first and sec- second inning. Actually, Dallas Braden tweeted something earlier that on the swing and when he had that hit, that he did something to the shoulder. But he said he kind of felt it in the back of the lad. He wants to make the next start. But we, we talked about it. Let him rest now. Oh, Frank, they're out of their mind if they have Jacob DeGrom go and make his next start. Especially, especially, Frank, after what happened in the San Diego game. Remember, the San Diego game, they had the same deal. They had him throw the next day, and they said he was fine. But now he has another setback, and he's taken out of this game after three innings. 
Shut him down for a week or two. Even if he's missing a start or two, let him get a little bit of a reprieve so that way he can let it rip and throw 110 or 115 pitches and get back on this Cy Young MVP trajectory. Let him miss a few starts. And I mean, he's kind of had this the last few years, even for like the last few years, like we're in the middle of the season, he would kind of skip a couple starts and kind of get right. He kind of does this every year. But And Dr. Chow, I think, tweeted before too. Uh, like it's it's kind of coincidence. All three of the, the ailments are on the right side by his arm. And just just let him shut it down. Just let him get rested. Carrasco looks like he's thrown again. Maybe we can get him back in a couple weeks. Lucchese's been a little better. Peterson actually had a good bounce back. So they're starting to get a little right. We, we need, like we talked about, we need another starter just to kind of hold it down for even, even regardless of what happened with Degrom. We need another starter. Well, isn't it crazy, Frank? You think about going and getting Taiwan Walker and what a godsend he has been, and the way Strowman has thrown the ball. You figured at some point Carrasco would be back and that Syndergaard would be back. Both of those guys are MIA and they know where to be found. And it's almost to the point now where you look at Syndergaard and you look at Carrasco and you say, it's gravy. Whatever we get out of them is a bonus. I don't care what it is. I can't expect anything out of them. Yeah, it's crazy to think about the Mets being in a position where adding a starting pitcher, even if it's a back-end guy, it's probably something they got to do. Yeah. Just something to eat up in because I know they talked about uh, the lefty Boyd on Detroit, like maybe something like that, but you might have to give up a good amount for him. I, just somebody in the middle of the rotation, someone that can eat some innings up. I mean, the bullpen's been unbelievable. Adding Lugo back is another huge factor. And now we know we can go out and get another bullpen on, get another starter. We have the resources. So we're in a good spot. I'm, I mean, it's obviously let's hold our breath and see what the MRI comes out with and with their shoulder. But if it's kind of just the soreness thing again, just shut them down for a few weeks. I think we'll be fine. Things are going well. The division's down. I know we got a lot of wacky doubleheaders coming up, but just kind of hold serve, and I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be – we're up nine in the loss column. Well, and that's the amazing thing, Frankie. I mean, you look at the National League East right now, and I appreciate it, bro. Good start here. Very, very good start. The Mets in the loss column are eight up on Philadelphia. They are nine up on the Atlanta Braves. They are ten up on the Nationals. This is a Met team that has been missing everybody under the sun. They're going to get McNeil and Conforto back at some point this week. The job that guys like VR, McKinney, Pilar, all of these guys, what they've been able to do, it's, it's impressive. It's beyond impressive. Keep winning games. You're very fortunate if you're a Met fan, the fact that this division is as bad as it is. It is nowhere close to being the sort of division that I thought it was going to be. I thought Atlanta was going to be a real good team. I thought Washington and Philadelphia would be better than this. Although if you watch Philadelphia against the Yankees, they look like world beaters against the Yankees. I mean, you watch them against anybody else and they are questionable. They're a very pedestrian, mediocre team. On all, things are fine for the Mets, as long as DeGrom shakes that okay. As long as everything is, you know, relatively normal, meaning miss a star, maybe miss two starts, so be it. If it's more than that, then you're a little concerned. Then you're a little nervous. Wow, I, I, I'm still, my head is still spinning after that Sixer game. How in God's name did that happen? That's what I'm trying to figure out. How did that happen? Wow, crazy. The Hawks, let me tell you something. That's a tough team. That's a resilient bunch. 
Anytime you're down big in games that you have to have and you find a way to get off the mat, that's a great sign. And remember for Atlanta, they have no pressure. Zero pressure in this series. They won around. They beat the Knicks. Trey Young has played great. Guys have stepped up. Like, it's, it's all gravy for them. And if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, you're loving this. And I don't even think it's close. Don't even think it's close. You give me the option of playing Atlanta or playing Philadelphia. Give me the Hawks any day of the week. Any day of the week. Come on now. You wouldn't have to match up with Joel Embiid. And I know Embiid is dealing with the tendonitis and that his knee and the meniscus is not right. And he's going to have to have that surgically repaired. That's, that's, that's fair. He's going to be spotty. But he's still capable of going and dominating. And that is the weakness of Brooklyn in the interior. Milwaukee Brooklyn winner is going to be favored against whoever comes out of the other series. And if it's Atlanta, I mean, that's going to change the odds to a point where I bet you if it's Atlanta Brooklyn, Brooklyn would probably be a minus 300 favorite. Yeah, minus 300. Even, even if Kyrie Irving can't play in the series, I think they would be minus 300. And John Santiago pointing this out. Job well done here, John. Simmons, 4 of 14 from the free throw line. That's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And look, big guys not being able to shoot free throws is one of those things that can happen. We've seen it with plenty of big guys over the years. Shaquille O'Neal had this problem. Dwight Howard had this problem. Plenty of guys have had issues shooting from the charity stripe. When you're a guard and you can't knock down shots from the free throw line, it is a killer. It is a disaster. It can't happen because the ball is going to be in your hands too often. And at the end of these games, you saw it in game four. High game, he's going to the line. At best, at best, you're hoping for one of two. That is unacceptable. That is not exactly what you would call winning basketball. Oh, that's going to be a whole lot of sleepless nights for our friends down in Philadelphia. I wonder if uh, Cataldi is going to be calling me on Monday, trying to get me on the show. I went out with him a couple of days ago. That was a ton of fun. I love those guys down there. I'm going to have to meet them down at the Borgata. Speaking of the Borgata, I had unbelievable luck on the crash table. And the crash table always is my game. That is always where I'm at. That's always where I'm letting it rip. And it was great. That's just packed house, letting all sorts of emotions fly. I mean, I was in my element. Following morning, though, I'm staying on the 29th floor. And anytime you're on the 29th floor and that's your sister's birthday, you know you got to play in a roulette, right? You got to play in a roulette. I go to the roulette table. I'm like, all right, I'll play my numbers. 19 is one of my numbers. 33 is another one of my numbers. But I'm playing 29 pretty consistently. Treating me nice. Treating me nice. So sometimes when... All of those signs are pointing in a certain direction. You have to seize the moment on that. And that's not even my game of choice. I have to admit, too, I'm down on on blackjack. I'm very down on blackjack because it's just too much of a grind. 
And the worst part about it is when you have idiots on the table that have zero idea what they're doing. I'll give you an example. I had some knucklehead. I'm sitting down at a blackjack table. 10 showing. 10. And they're staying on 14 or 15. That's, that's a telltale sign for me. Get me the hell off of this table. Because that's the sort of shenanigans. That's the sort of nonsense you don't want to deal with. So it was quite the night down there. I'm going to have to do one of these shows maybe down from the Borgata. We may have to do that. Maybe do a little live Spotify green room from the Gata Casino. We may have to work on that. We'll get the remotes going at some point in time. So shoulder stiffness for DeGrom is what we're looking at. I think he misses a start or two. I do not get the sense that it will be an extended period of time. Just because DeGrom made it seem like, eh, I could probably make my next start if I need to. But there's no reason for him to go and make that start. Zero. None. Yankees trying to get a sweep tomorrow would be gigantic. Because, listen, they are in a predicament in the division where they need to win games. Send a message to the Blue Jays. They have eaten your lunch basically all year. You finally won a series against them. Go send a message and sweep this bad boy. The American League East may have taken an interesting turn here. And I know Tampa is incredibly tough. They're incredibly resourceful. However, you take last now out of that rotation. That's the one guy in that rotation who every fifth day can let it rip and can go six and two-thirds, seven and a third with no problem. That's him. That's his MO. That's his, that's his bread and butter. That's what he can do. So now you take that out of the rotation, it puts a lot more pressure on, yeah, that stable of relievers where you got seven, eight, nine guys who are throwing Jed and throwing smoke, but they're throwing a lot more. They're throwing a lot more innings. That's problematic for Tampa. So I would not be surprised if you see Tampa now take a little bit of a dive in the American League East standings. They're spunky. They're tough. They know how to win games. And I respect the hell out of Tampa Bay. I think if you listen to me last year, this year, if you're new to New York, New York, if you're a part of New York, New York, since we basically started, you know the deal. I have been a full-fledged believer that Tampa Bay knows how to win games. And they'll continue to win games, but I think they will not run and hide with anything. Not without Tyler Glass now. He's too important to what they do. Way too important to what they do. Now, I wonder what Philadelphia is going to end up being on that series price. I mean, now you're going to be able to get Philadelphia. I thought I was getting a bargain at Philadelphia at like minus 130, minus 135. Now I got to sweat that bad boy out. I mean, that's disgusting. Brooklyn, by the way, in case you're wondering for the series, they're minus 220. Milwaukee's at plus 178. And the crazy thing about that line is Milwaukee's minus five and a half for game six. So basically what that's telling you is a game seven line in Brooklyn. Brooklyn is probably going to be minus 300 to 350. So to me, if you like Brooklyn in this series, you get them now. You get them now. Because I don't think you're getting a better money line than 220. That's what that line tells me. Because I think the line would be even higher than that. I do. I do. I don't like laying 220 ever, to be honest with you. That's like one of my rules of thumb. I, I won't do it. 
And I don't like Brooklyn in that game tomorrow night. I just don't. I think it's a tough spot for them. Guys played a ton of minutes. And you'll know, I would say within the first 15 minutes of that game, basically, you'll know if Brooklyn is completely engaged and completely dialed in or if they have their sights set on Game 7 and how they're going to approach Game 7. You're going to know. It's going to be painfully obvious. Tomorrow's a nice night. So we got Yankees and Mets both in the evening again, which normally I don't hate. Tomorrow, though, it's going to be one of the... Think about what we have going on tomorrow night. You have the two baseball games, 7 o'clock. Then I got the net game at 8.30, which is good. I'm glad that they are putting the NHL games and they're putting the NBA games a little bit later on in the evening. So that way we could space it out a little bit. That's good. I'm happy to see that. I, I really am happy to see that. Islanders, big game three for the Islanders. And look, they went up against a desperate Tampa team. It was a poorly officiated game on both sides. That was obvious. Poorly officiated game. But you saw the power and you saw the speed of what Tampa could bring to the table. They are a freakishly good team. And there's a reason why they won the Stanley Cup a year ago. Islanders got to get the momentum back in this series immediately. Right out of the gate. First five, ten minutes of the game. They're going to be crucial for Brooklyn and whether or not they have a puncher's chance at game six. Ah, I would say the same thing for the Islanders. You're going to know, I think, basically halfway into the first period, all right, what kind of game we're looking at. Because if Tampa comes out and if firing pucks and it's basically, you know, an onslaught on Varlamov, that is problematic. And you don't want to take that rocking, and that's exactly what it's going to be, a rocking Nassau Coliseum crowd out of the equation. You want that crowd to kind of be on your side. And it will be. They are going to be incredibly loud. They're going to be incredibly supportive. But those first couple of minutes are gigantic. Gigantic. But that's our night. Man, game six for Brooklyn. Game three for the Islanders. And a couple of baseball games. Mets and Yankees going for sweeps. Very nice. Very, very nice. And hopefully tomorrow when we do the podcast, we'll have a good understanding, I believe, on what the latest on Jacob deGrom is. I think 24 hours later, the Mets will kind of give you at least some sort of timetable, making the next start, how's he feeling, blah, 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 and then they'll kind of go from there. Johnny Franco's on the show tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. Love Johnny Franco. Great dude. Great dude. I've had him on a bunch. Very likable guy, so I'm looking forward to having Johnny Franco here on New York, New York. And we are going to do a Spotify green room or a locker room. I mean, there. It will take me a couple of times, folks, to get the name of this right, even though I think this is the first time I actually referred to it as a locker room, so it was 30 minutes in. So all in all, not too shabby. Um, But we're going to do one Saturday night if there's a Game 7. Now, if there's not a Game 7, we're not going to do it. So everybody will enjoy their weekend and you do what you got to do. But if there's a Game 7, we will hop on probably right after the game, but I do have to do television, so it might be a smidge later. It might be like around, eh, maybe it's 11.30, maybe it's 11.15. We'll kind of keep you posted as far as that goes, but we will have some content going if there is a game seven. We won't do a pod. We'll save that for Sunday, but we will be here on the app taking calls, doing the whole deal. So, have a little fun for a half hour. It's a good little impromptu discussion. I am out. We're back tomorrow. Jam-packed New York, New York. JJ out. Forget everybody.